I mean, TikTok's still great. If you're running a business, you should definitely still be on TikTok running Absolutely. ads. Yeah. It's really great to drive that. But to build a community, I think YouTube and Instagram is still where the people are at. Welcome to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Lee, and I'll be sharing industry knowledge and social media tips through weekly interviews with established creators and Q&A sessions. Our goal is to help you decode social media, become a full-time influencer, and do what you love for a living. Let's dive in. Hi, I'm Sandy. I am a creator by day and a tech founder by night, I guess. Welcome, Sandy, to the podcast in my car. First, I wanted to ask you, where are you based right now? Because we are in Taiwan, mm -hmm. and this is why I'm able to even talk to you today. Yeah, so I'm based in Taichung, Taiwan, but I travel up here to Taipei. Mm -hmm. I love it here in Taiwan. Everything yeah. just so much better. People are so much nicer. Food is so much better, too. That's very true. I actually thought that you were based in the U.S. Mm -hmm. when I first found you, because everything was sort of like very U.S. pop culture, English. Yeah. So so have you always been based in Taiwan and how come you speak in English on your channels? Yeah, so when I started on social, I was in Boston. So I was solely based in Boston and I was planning on staying in U.S. for like the majority of my time as well. But things changed. So I was like, you know what? I want to move back to Taiwan. That's why I build up an audience majority in U.S. or like U.S. speaking English. Oh. That's why I speak mostly in English on my channels. So the decision to move back to Taiwan was because of COVID or? Um, it's because of my mom. So my oh. mom had cancer in 2019, ovarian oh, cancer. Sorry. She's fully recovered now. Oh, and yeah, she's like amazing. doing so well. Wow. But that just gave me some more perspective in like what's valuable in life. Yes, yes. And obviously with cancer, like there's a five years of like watch time. So yes, you want to make sure everything's yes, good. Right, yeah. So you know what? I was like, what I do, I can do anywhere in the world. Why not just come back to Taiwan and stay with my family a bit more yes, as well? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Nice backstory. Actually, yeah. how old were you when you started doing this whole online venture? On social media or just yes. in general? Because we can dive into the business part later, yeah. I guess. So just on social media. In social media, I was 22 when I first started. Mm. I just turned 22. So I started in end of May of 2020, a couple days after my birthday. Because I was like, you know what? I want to do something new and challenging. And YouTube has something been what I want to do. I was like, you know, I'm just going to put myself out there. And it's been two or three years. So you're 25 now? I'm 24 and a half, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm like 20. It's been yeah. two and a half years. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. New, new calendar, 25. Card. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so then this decision to go online, was it because you had, and we'll dive into some of the mm -hmm. businesses that Sandy used to do, but was it because you wanted to help further your business or is it just that you saw there was an opportunity and you wanted to hop on the, the train? It was really because I thought it was fun. Mm -hmm. um, at that time, I thought TikTok was such a really cool platform where I can express my creativities in a way that's not judged because people that I know aren't really on TikTok, but everyone's on Instagram at that time so I was like okay TikTok somewhere mm -hmm. I can just let go and be myself yes. and I found that be so refreshing yes, so I just yes. keep on doing it and I think because of that people kind of see that and the following and audience started to attract to the platform as well. Mm. Was there any intention to become an influencer or to build a business by going online or was it more to just express yourself? At first it was just so solely to express myself mm. um, and then started to turn into something more which mm. it's which I'm very privileged about 
Australia. Yeah, I see. So Sandy actually has a very extensive background in founding various companies, right? So before you started online, did you already have your e-commerce businesses? Yep, I had a dog boutique shop like online selling dog collar, bandana, leashes. So cool. I always say if I'm not in like what I'm doing now, I'll be back in the pet industry because mm. I just I love the culture there a lot more as mm. well. Mm. So I've done that for two and a half years since I was 19. And in COVID, we decided to stop the store. And then that's when I was like, okay, well, I'm bored. I got to yeah. do something. And that's when I was like, okay, TikToks is fun. I yeah. see. Wow. 19. I'm so curious because like at 19, I was just bumming around, like trying to learn how to dance and like mm. dating people. How did you come to the conclusion that you would start an e-commerce store? Was there, is it like background or was it just the people around you? It's really heavily influenced my by my parents. I think my dad grew up very, very poor and he was able to, you know, he does recycling. So he tried to build a business off of himself and yeah. seeing him work so hard with my mom all throughout my childhood, borrowing men money, getting loans and things like that, ultimately being able to grow something out of that, mm. that inspired me a lot more. And thinking that if I stick with a nine to five, I would be happy as well. But would I be content and fulfilled? So that's when I did something different. Start a e-commerce shop. And also I hate studying. Yeah. So I just, that just doesn't stick with me did too. You, were you at college as well? Mm-hmm. Oh, I was wow. at Northeastern. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh my God, my husband went to Northeastern. Oh, really? Yes. No way. Oh, no wonder you said Boston. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's, <laughs> you're both alumni Oh, alumni. Now. Yes. But he went to Northeastern when it wasn't such a highly ranked okay. school. <laughs> Got it. it. It was like pretty good back then as well like for engineering school yeah 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 yeah, yeah. oh that's super cool Mm -hmm. i see yeah because i find it very inspirational when i see people who are significantly younger than me do this entrepreneurial thing because this is fascinating to me Mm -hmm. now but when i was like 19 or 25 i was like doing jack shit with my life i'm really doing nothing so it's very cool and you're in this generation where you grew up seeing Mm -hmm. very young people use the power of media social Mm -hmm. media to build these businesses so this is a great example for anybody watching if they're a bit younger that you could really create anything online you can build a business from zero online if you just know how to distribute and market exactly yeah I think there's definitely good and the bad in that for sure. Mm. I think that with media being so, the hustle culture in US, I was heavily influenced that, especially when I was 22, thinking that time is ticking, time's running out, I need to do things. I think that's a curse, but also the blessing in disguise that you want to do something when you're young but ultimately like we have so much time and that's something I learned throughout these years that we're just honestly just lazing by through life learning as we go and there's no rush to do things too yes yes especially you being so young and everything I guess for me I feel a little bit more pressure Mm -hmm. because I'm I'm 35 there's a lot of pressure to have children Mm -hmm. and even though we froze like like embryos Mm -hmm. and it's successful but it's still like oh you're gonna be really old Mm -hmm. when your kids are older and you can't like play around with them as much so it's really good that you're thinking about it so early mm-hmm. but there really is a lot of time to, yeah. to start anything your heart desires i actually want to freeze my embryo as well you should yeah you should. i think i'm gonna do it in like a couple years from now yeah because i imagine a lot of the people watching this right now mm-hmm. are probably very entrepreneurial minded women mm-hmm. um so if you're watching this i highly recommend you go freeze your eggs preferably eggs and not embryos even though mm-hmm. i froze embryos but that's because i was you know already mm-hmm. married and everything it's really going to do wonders for your life because it frees Mm. up your entire life schedule Mm. and you have so much more choice. It's expensive, but what you get in exchange is freedom Mm. in all kinds of ways. 
and freedom from your relatives keep asking you like, when you're gonna have kids and all that. So definitely recommend it. Yeah, because my mom is already asking me, and I'm really? 24. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Oh my god. No, I don't think anytime soon. Wow. Okay, so going back to the Instagram page, you mentioned that you started in Boston and、mm-hmm. then you moved back to Taiwan. I'm very curious because this is a problem that a lot of people have, where they attract an audience, but then their life changes. Has that affected you as much when you moved to Taiwan, or do you just continue speaking in English and you? Still attract a U.S. audience. I would say it depends on the platform. I think on Instagram, it's definitely a little bit difficult、mm-hmm. because. Instagram is very heavily on tags、yes. and like where you're based and things、yes. like that. And their algorithm, they can immediately recognize when you switch places.、Yeah. Whereas on TikTok, if you keep your SIM card, your US SIM card, they still think that you're in US, and、mm. I'm still attracting US audience. But when I'm in Taiwan, my audience base definitely changed a lot more. It's like split so much. I'd say like 20% in US, 20% in Europe, and then Australia, Brazil. Like it's all over the、wow. place. But I really don't mind. I just keep on going as I am. I think that when you switch your life up, content it gives you a lot more freedom of like creating different contents, and people just kind of follow along. And if、mm. people don't like you, they unfollow. Yes, that's totally fine. Yes, I'm actually yes. really happy when people unfollow me.、Yes. I'm like, okay, well, bye. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Because then they won't be lingering、mm. there as like a ghost follower. Yeah, so exactly. So that's really good. I really love this sort of outlook, and I think is it partially because maybe you're not relying heavily on brand deals, so it doesn't matter as much where the、mm. audience is. Space, especially like I'd say, product brands.、Mm. Yeah, because my content is more focused on entrepreneurial lifestyle, business, and sometimes mixed with my personality in there. But a lot of brands that come to me are tech company,、mm. so not very heavily based on like location wise. So、mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. But if you're fashion creators or product based creator, that might be an issue. Yes,、yeah. yes, because they wouldn't be able to ship,、exactly. and then when you link things, they couldn't buy it,、exactly. and so on. So that、yeah. definitely matters. And I think maybe the affiliate marketing. Market here is maybe、mm, not as、yeah. advanced as in the U.S.,、mm-hmm. where you can link like almost every single product that you use. Yeah, yeah. I still link like U.S. stuff. Yeah, but like my audience doesn't really purchase stuff from me.、Mm-hmm. Like they look at my stuff and they go to like a website rather than buy stuff. But my manager is definitely pushing me to like, hey, like start linking things and stuff like that. I think that link links is something that brands want to see a lot more in 2023 for sure. Okay, especially with the economy downturn. Yeah. So what you mean is brands are looking for. For direct ROI,、mm-hmm. um, return on investment, especially in sales, like、exactly. actual sales. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because the market is a bit softer right now,、mm-hmm. so I have definitely seen a bit of a slowdown in brand deals for myself,、mm-hmm. and the prices do seem be less generous、mm-hmm. than before. And、yep. I'm not saying they're low; it's just less generous, generous. than before.、Yep. Before it was just kind of like money、oh, was、okay. free flowing.、Yeah. It's like, oh, you want like this five figure number? Yeah, oh, yeah, take go it, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, and now it's kind of like okay, okay, like they go and be... back and forth. Negotiating yes, a bit, you、no. gotta be a little bit smarter about it.、Mm-hmm. So when you first started,、mm-hmm. was it on TikTok first, and, or just Instagram and TikTok together? All on TikTok first. My Instagram was more so for my personal thing,、oh, okay. and I was still quite scared because everyone、really? on there was like my family, my friends、yeah. from high school. I didn't want people to judge me, so everyone is on TikTok. I didn't start sharing my TikTok until I grew to a hundred k, I think. Really? Yeah,、wow. and then that's when I started to post a bit more on. 
Instagram that grew a small following on Instagram like a 3,000 people and reels came out uh, yeah. that's when I started repurposing my mm, content because yes. a lot of my friends on TikTok started doing that yes. so we all did it together so we don't feel alone mm, wow so was that repurposing of the content uh, from TikTok to Instagram that fueled most of your Instagram growth yes initially yeah and did you have a clear focus right from the get-go or did it take a bit of time to experiment oh yeah so my Instagram was stuck at so it grew really fast in 2020 when IG Real rolled out go from like 3,000 all the way to 35k mm -hmm. and then I was stagnant for about a year and a half and started losing followers mm. and then last year I didn't repost anything much until August and I started posting like transition video yes. more about my life and I don't know what happened but I think Instagram has a wave of bringing creator up and every single wave if you ride that wave, they bring you up straight up. Yes. So I went from 35k to like 200k within three months, and I was wow. like, "What the hell is going on?" Yeah, I don't know yeah, if I can yeah. curse on the yes, on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> okay, yeah. So that happened. I was like, "Okay, well, that took two years." So I think that mm -hmm. if you're consistent, that's like the most important thing. Yes, yes, absolutely. And it's really less about like before growth was a little bit more linear, mm -hmm. and now growth is more like wave. like this, like exactly. little waves. And sometimes you might even have a big wave and. And drop down even more and, yeah. then, and then there's another wave exactly and i think a lot of people can get very discouraged after the big mm -hmm. wave and then they don't see more momentum and they, don't, and they, don't stick it. they either don't just stick it through or just you know feel like oh instagram is against me but i feel yeah. like that's not the case i really yeah. think people have cycles in exactly. their engagement and their their reach mm -hmm. and everything yeah i like instagram more than tiktok i'm just really? gonna put it out there <laughs> <laughs> okay that's really surprising to yeah. me because i have always kind of known you as like a tiktok talk person mm -hmm. yeah. so can we talk about that like the differences between the two because i did notice yeah. You have half the following on Instagram, but you have way more engagement on Instagram. On Instagram yeah. Yeah, can you talk about that? What's the experience I like? I think this is the first time that I've ever tell anyone that, but um, everyone know me as like the person on TikTok because yeah. everyone came to me before, like, how do you go on TikTok and things like that? And I enjoyed that and it was great. But I think TikTok in general, they have an issue with community mm. and even if you build a following of 1 million followers, if the algorithm didn't come through or something happened, I don't know, it just doesn't perform as well, yes. right? So what is the point of building an audience then if you yes. are just not even hitting their For You page, right? But on Instagram, on the other hand, is that you can almost guarantee that there is some sort of engagement. And if you are active and you are, you're treating your audience with respect and with like actual engagement, it's going to reward you. It's yeah. a reward system. But on TikTok, it feels like a slot machine. Mm -hmm, that you're yeah. constantly playing into. So that's why I like Instagram a lot more now. I am so glad you said that. Mm -hmm. And especially mm -hmm. being like a mainly known for TikTok creator yep. and also yeah. a Gen Z. Because I've wanted to say that for a long time now, like a year or so. Mm -hmm. And But I'm scared to say it because I'm like this old millennial who's like grown on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to sound like that outdated person who's like, no. I think Instagram is where you can have longevity. Exactly. TikTok is great for top mm -hmm. of funnel, for discoverability for more social proof yep. and also just knowing how the, the people there work and how people react mm -hmm. and also getting a pulse on what the masses think. You're going to get that on TikTok like, yep. for sure. It's very valuable still, but it's just not like a good place for you to develop community. To, to put all your eggs in one basket exactly, yeah, or to develop community or to monetize even sometimes. Yes, to monetize even because with brand deals, like brands want to see ROI, right? Mm -hmm. And if with TikTok, it, it surprises your ads. And when you post an ad and it performs 10,000 view and you're like um hello <laughs> 
or like 4,000 views or 2,000 views. Yeah. And when you go on Instagram, you can almost guarantee if your average width is 20K, that's yeah. probably where you're going to hit it as yes. well. Yeah. I mean, TikTok's still great. If you're running a business, you should definitely still be on TikTok running Absolutely. ads. It's really great to drive that. But to build a community, I think YouTube, Instagram is still where the people are at. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but what I see on TikTok seems to be like if they are a lower cost products and mm. running ads there can be very, very effective. Mm. Cost effective, people impulse buy, and it's good that way. But maybe not always the best for leads, mm. like quality leads in terms of long-term subscription services or, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So... A lot of drop shipping or like mm. a lot of like really cool, like that has a wow factor product yes, could yes. do really well in ads. And if you know how to present that, it's really great. But for longevity wise, like subscription wise, that comes from value ads and building it community based, right? Mm. And with that being said, you are going to have to constantly push out viewed video and then create that community in order mm-hmm. to the subscription to last. I do think there are some companies that are doing a fantastic job mm-hmm. with their community by potentially using employees or like mm-hmm. in-house creators or exactly. mascots. But even then, I do think there's still a question of how how much longevity does that skit have? Yeah. Does that character have mm-hmm. on TikTok itself? And it's great to ride that wave and have a moment. But so far, it just seems that they're pretty short-lived. Yeah, yeah. you have phases and then it ends yep in the beginning you had social media coaching niche Mm, is that correct because i'm pretty sure that's how i discovered you because the algorithm knows to feed me this stuff and then you kind of transitioned out into fashion lifestyle talking niche and Mm. also like transitions yeah and i thought it was very unique what you did where most people get boxed into a niche and you kind of didn't allow that to happen so Mm -hmm. can you talk about how you can first grow with a niche but then expand from there because i'm not trying to tell people not to have a niche when you're starting out you better be known for something stop telling me you don't want to have a niche okay sorry please yeah i like what i started out with which is like business entrepreneurship that kind of got me to where i wanted to go into which is tech and venture capital i went into a rut like a creative rut i was like okay there's only so much I could talk about yeah. in terms of business and I love it but I want people to know me for me and love me as me how can I do that so I started studying other creators that have pivoted successfully and I feel like what they do is basically just post anything yeah. that they want yeah, yeah. right but then still maintain the known like video that they known for so what I've done is like I start doing like 40% of my own contents and 60% of my, my original program content and start slowing those original content down yeah. and start growing the other type of content. So when I started doing that, I started seeing a switch of people. The original people still like my contents. If they don't, they just unsubscribe. Yeah. That's how I kind of start pivoting. I started to know this, like, I just wanted to be known as me because that's where longevity is built on. But you still need a niche. I'm not going to lie. You still need to be known as something yeah. that people can call you out of. Right. Yeah. Especially in the beginning, it's absolutely mm-hmm. crucial because in the beginning if you already inserted a lot of this other types of content it would Mm -hmm. be very hard to first get that first group of people Mm -hmm. to to stay and like you for you yeah yeah Yeah. oh that's very good advice because that's something that i'm currently kind of going through as Mm -hmm. well although i think because a lot of my audience on instagram in particular are a bit older Mm -hmm. as in they followed since like a few years ago and maybe they're no longer active and so what i'm seeing is it's a bit harder for me to pivot into Mm -hmm. a lot of different types of content 
styles. Mm -hmm. You know, I can talk about all kinds of topics, but the style has to stay the same or mm. else I won't get even the reach that I would normally get on Instagram. Gotcha. So I think it could vary a lot depending on the age of your account, mm -hmm. as yep. in how long it's been around for and when you gained your audience. And mm. then, of course, like who the audience is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think most of my audience are between the age of 18 to 24. I think they are a lot more fluid in yes, terms of yes. like what type of things like they like. But I started to train them when I first go on it. I started off dancing video. Yeah. And then because I was so afraid of talking because of my accent. I was like, I don't want to talk. I have to think so many times when I talk. And then I went into talking videos, but it's like very scripted. And now I just do whatever mm. like you start talking vlogging yeah. anything i think just by switching up your content type can also train your audience a bit more too yes yes yeah. i love that and also i bet all of the time the couple of years that mm -hmm. you spent training yourself to talk about things scripted mm -hmm. and to show up that also helps you now create better content that is natural mm -hmm. because if you just start out straight up on social media with just talking with no experience of like how to make it more engaging yep i'm not sure like what i'm saying is that it should come with some practice exactly well. and so. even now i'm still scripting some of them especially yeah. with youtube now i'm gonna do it i started to script everything because i know if i don't script it i probably wouldn't end up doing it yeah, yeah yeah so so now your views on the platforms are basically tiktok is great to get mm -hmm. explosive growth mm -hmm. or go viral right yeah. but it's maybe lacks a little bit of community and longevity yep instagram is great for just having Commun a base yeah. community your personal brand mm -hmm. like all aspects of you yeah so what do you hope to do with youtube and then what's the next step for there. I think YouTube is just growing a deeper connections with my audience, my current audience base. I think Instagram is great, but I feel like sometimes it's still pretty much one-sided. Like, I mm. don't know who I'm talking to. Right. Like, I kind of do, but like, I kind of wish more interaction could come from there. And with YouTube, I feel like I could just sit down and have a heart-to-heart -heart with my audience. Because with IG Reels, stories and TikTok so short, you're still grabbing people's attention. But yes. with YouTube, I just feel like, I don't care. Like, I'm just going to sit down and tell you what I think. And that's what I kind of went on social media for anyway. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. There is a guy on YouTube called, I think his name is Dan. Mm -hmm. And he talks about personal branding, but mm. I don't remember what his last name is. But I'll share the channel okay, with you. Yeah. He basically just sits down. He has a nice camera, like well-lit mm -hmm. background, but all he does is talk. And then mm. he has various graphics in front of the screen. And I thought it was very impressive because one of his videos got picked up and mm. then he continued with the same topics of personal branding and how to build a one-person business online and from there now he has 150k oh, wow. uh, subs that's maybe awesome. more now because he keeps growing every time he pops mm -hmm. up on my youtube homepage. that's maybe something that's an example yeah. of what you might want to do i'm also finding a very interesting shift on youtube happen mm -hmm. where it's becoming more casual and toned mm -hmm. down and yep. like use your phone don't use a professional camera mm -hmm. don't look too professional and it's almost like this anti-mr beast movement where they mm -hmm. don't want explosions and like i'm gonna bury myself for <laughs> 24 hours. hours yeah you know so yeah. how do you feel about that content change because you're very native to this mm. new type of content format i think that it just go back to raw and authenticity right because the reason why tiktok blew up is because authenticity of 
raw camera people anyone can become a creator and maybe that kind of translate into youtube a mm-hmm. bit more but i think ultimately people still crave quality content yeah, yeah. and there's different type of people that create different content yes i think there's people that want to watch mr b type people that want to watch more laid back and just see the type of audience and who you are as a creator in general yes yeah who you are as a creator is mm. so important exactly because it's not just about what people want it's about what you enjoy mm-hmm. doing right even if the whole world is like only want to do phone stuff mm-hmm. if you're like passionate about your camera footage yeah. then you should do it because you I, could be the best at it exactly i actually now pick up my camera because i'm starting youtube and then i'm like why would i film with my phone now because like i love the quality yeah. on my camera yeah, yeah. so now on my tiktok contents i'm starting to use like actual camera to film it i'm yeah. like okay this is so fun so it really just come down to like what you like in general yes so if you're doubting yourself whether it's mm-hmm. like oh am i riding the right trend or not mm-hmm. just know that trends it's like a pendulum swing yep people will go really extreme into something and then really extreme to the other mm-hmm. and then they'll come back up and so it keeps going like this yeah it's just like fashion trends maxi dresses will trend for a while but then the next two years it'll be mini dresses Mm -hmm. and mini skirts and it's very extreme and so Mm -hmm. for a few years since like i would say 2016 we saw the very polished camera like transition and like travel footage like a year of traveling sam calder you know and that's great but there was lacking a sort of authenticity Mm -hmm. and storytelling aspect so then it started becoming a storytelling storytelling but still nice camera Mm -hmm. and then now it's become kind of like no don't use your camera going to the extreme Mm -hmm. just casual vlogs personality authenticity and i think it's all very interesting i think but just don't lose your identity no at all yeah, if you lean towards one thing. Exactly. And you can always like switch it up if you want. Like, I think the best example might be Emma Chamberlain. Like, yeah. like if you notice her vlog lately that she posted over the summer is she hired a cameraman now and she pointed at her camera, whereas before she was vlogging herself. Yeah. But that switch of content doesn't matter because she already built up an audience that people love her. So it's you that people want to follow, not the how you film that people yes. feel following. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And that's like when you have established a personal brand then absolutely you can definitely branch out and experiment a lot quick break from this podcast episode if you've been wanting to monetize your instagram then i have good news for you we created a free guide to cover the 11 ways you can make money on instagram and we put it all into a free downloadable pdf called the ultimate instagram monetization guide this guide doesn't just list out the ways to monetize but also shares tips links and resources to help you get started with each income stream head to fulltimeinfluencer.co slash monetize with a z or use the link in this episode description to download it today now back to the episode I want to kind of switch gears and talk about your identity as mm-hmm. a founder, entrepreneur. So you did mention that you had an e-commerce business mm-hmm. and then you started this creator journey online. So you have all these different identities and now you're a co-founder of Creobase. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about what Creobase is and how it plans to help creators? Yeah, so Creobase is a online discovery platform for creator to discover brand contact information and automate their brand partnerships. Ultimately, that come from my 
my own pain point as a creator. When I first started out, I want to work with brands, but I have no idea where to find them and especially quality brands that have partnered up with creator before. So I had to go through a bunch of different things, DMing on Instagram, um, finding contact on LinkedIn, getting their email, figuring out how to pitch them. So I was like, okay, well, why isn't there a platform basically condense all the creator that have partnered up with brand before and their contact information mm. that get you directly to the right person? Mm-hmm. So we built this database of about 150 contact information. Creator have been utilizing it. Now our next step is really helping creator automate that process. So you can build up your template on the platform. All you got to mm. do is click it and mm. then pitch the creators of the brands and we'll help you follow up the brands, follow through the entire process of your brand deals as well. Mm, I see. Yeah. That's very interesting. I see that there's a lot of startups mm-hmm. working on helping with the creator economy. Mm-hmm. Does it help to personalize some of the outreach? Is there like some management on the mm-hmm. back end or is it more like a platform to help automate these things? Yeah, so it's more like a platform to automate these things. Gotcha. I think like as, a CRM system. Exactly. I think that as a creator, I hate, so I also work on the brand side. I receive creator's email and like I can tell if it's like a sample pitch. Like yeah. I think that creator need to do their due diligence and when they're pitching people, they need to understand why they're pitching it and like sell it, you know, you're salesman, you're selling yourself. So I don't ever want to just supply like a template and be like, hey, like do this, but mm-hmm. maybe like a guideline or something and then you can guide it through. But obviously with AI now, there you can come up with something very easily personalized. So in the future, we might think about integrating AI in our platform as well, wow. being able to generate like a more personalized pitch template. That's yeah. incredible. Um, Actually, I listened to another podcast and you mentioned that mm-hmm. you're an investor mm-hmm. in copy AI. Yeah. So can we touch briefly on AI and how mm-hmm. you think it can help creators or can it potentially replace some people in the creator economy? I think that AI is here to help creator, if anything. But sometimes if you're a newer creator, it could eliminate editors, mm-hmm. right? So if you, you no longer need to hire editor if AI can do a lot of like automation for you, right? I think Discript is a really great one. Yes. It automate. Now they just came up with something basically you feed them your video and you can edit out your fill words yes like that it's crazy like before we need editor to do that now you don't right so i think ai ultimately is going to help creator create better contents mm-hmm. and faster and ultimate our contents so i have been personally creating like using chat gpt to create my content oh wow um one of my video on instagram is how i found my co-founder yeah the entire video script is generated by chat gpt that's incredible yeah all i gotta do is be like hey write me a script and i describe my co-founder journey a bit in bullet point and then they literally script out every single thing for me yes, yes. um so if anything it's just gonna improve your content like how fast you can create content as well yes yes yeah. i think it's really incredible mm-hmm. what ai is doing for someone uh, who needs a lot of help mm-hmm. in these tedious things i find it very very helpful mm-hmm. i still have yet to sort of fully lean into it but chat gpt is a really interesting example copy ai as well like mm-hmm. copywriters it's kind of like there's a formula to copywriting right and i think with ai what's scary for some people is if you don't have a distinct style Mm -hmm. or personality or some some sort of differentiating factor to your work even if you're not online like with a personality online, mm-hmm. it would be dangerous for your job because this AI stuff is really good so far. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of work to be done because I use Descript as well yeah. and it's not perfect and you still need to manually do a lot of the adjusting, but it's already really, really good. Yeah. So think about how you can differentiate your signature style mm-hmm. or how you can add your spice into like whether that's copywriting or, uh, you know, content creation. Yeah. So basically one thing that AI couldn't copy 
therapy is creativity, right? Yes. It's basically feeding like information to them and they generate data based off of that. Yeah. They output that. But creativity is up there. Yes. And yes. they couldn't mimic that. So you just got to figure out what is up there that you can present to the world. Like exactly you said, distinct like style of yours. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yes. And that goes to all creators as well. Mm-hmm. Make sure that in the future you're thinking about how to inject personality, authenticity. I hate that word, but authenticity oh my God. into your <laughs> content to differentiate yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then now as a creator and founder and serial entrepreneur, like how much of your identity is being a creator and how much of it is being a founder? I'm still figuring that out. I think myself as well. I think that people in the startup world think I'm more of a creator. Yeah. And then people in the creator world think I am a founder. (laughs) So it's kind of interesting. But I see myself as a creative. Um, I think both entrepreneurs, like startup founders and creator, they're both creating things and building things. I'm a builder. I'm a creative. I think that's intertwined. Like in a way, our founder is a creator too. Yeah. Like they're creating something from scratch. So I relate myself to creatives. I love that. Yeah. I kind of feel that way too. Because mm-hmm. for a while after I created my course business, I was like, I'm an entrepreneur. And then mm-hmm. that became more of my identity. But now it's kind of just like everything you're doing yeah. is creative. Exactly. And you're building it. And so it's very interesting to see that in the future, there will be less of a divide between the mm-hmm. different roles. And a lot of entrepreneurs will have to be creators. Exactly. And a lot of creators will have to be entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. you will have to be a jack of all trades inevitably Mm -hmm. in order to have a lasting online personal brand yeah i think longevity and creator is still interesting and yeah we can get into that in a little bit yeah yeah actually let's talk about it so you did talk about this in another podcast Mm -hmm. as well but longevity as a creator this is something that hasn't been really proven out Mm -hmm. yet we see some very successful creators but a lot of them will like fade out and go live their life which is totally fine by the way not saying this is the end all be all of your life but if someone's looking to to build a lasting business for 10 years or more other than building a following and a community and working with brands and maybe even building their own products what other things do you think they can do and i think this is something you can offer a lot of interesting insight into yeah for sure i think that being a creator ultimately the longevity we haven't seen a life cycle yes. in the creator like what does retirement look yeah. like <laughs> i don't know and do you really want to be creating contents every single yeah. day for the rest of the 20 years i personally wouldn't the path is either building your business sell a SaaS product or a product or you can go into investment round yes. um angel investing is a really great way for a lot of creator to build up their wealth in the future as well yeah so this investing route is very interesting Mm -hmm. so the investing route if you were a creator let's say you didn't have a ton of capital Mm -hmm. but you have a relationship with certain startup brands Mm -hmm. and maybe you've worked with them before or you talked about them before how do you get your way into maybe being part of that company when they're still just getting started yeah so a lot of company will start you know before we call that like angel rounds pre-c rounds c round when they're like just baby tiny baby with ideas and that's like the best time when a creator can provide value for them because they need exposure and creator can give them exposure especially if you find a brand or a startup that matches your content super well let's say if you're a food creator and you found a food startup that's trying to launch an app about it that would be the best for both world and basically you could provide your value which is being a creator in exchange of potential equity there's multiple different ways for investing or being involved 
involved in the startup. One, directly give them money in terms of equity. Second is being advisory. Yeah, I do both. I think the best way to navigate that is find the startup that you are interested in, approach their founders, provide maximum value that you can offer for them, yeah. continue with that relationship for a couple months. And then when they're ready to raise or if you see an opening that you feel like, hey, I can probably make this a bit longer, like not like a one-off consultation, mm-hmm. but like a monthly consultation thing. But hey, like, would you be interested in onboarding me as an advisor? Or when they're raising, they can save you some allocation as well. So let's say if you are a creator, mm-hmm. but you don't have a lot of capital, do you think it's a good idea to offer, let's say, an ambassadorship or maybe a package to potentially get in on some shares in the beginning? Yeah, so there's a lot of ways to do this. Sometimes you don't even need to um, say that you'll post on social media. They want your expertise on mm-hmm. how to go to market, like mm-hmm. how to get exposure. Yeah. yeah, how to work with influencer, how to mm-hmm. storytell better. Can you recommend more influencer on your side? That could be something yeah. that really depends on what the startup need and what you can offer. If you have a background in marketing, right, you can offer marketing help. But if you don't have anything on that background, you can always offer like, okay, I'll post some video for you every quarter or things like that. Yeah. Um, and that's work on a package and we'll do product consultation every mm-hmm. single quarter or every month, depending on your needs and work on that. I know a lot of creator economy startup does that with creators mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a very interesting way to be a co-founder mm-hmm. of companies and to invest in companies, even if you don't have a ton of capital to start, because it's a great way to build wealth yeah. right over the long term. And of course, because the, the startup can, you know, 50x, 100x in value from when it first starts. But how do you determine which ones are good to invest in? Yeah. How do you do your due diligence? I think that it really comes down to your philosophy as well and how good can you read people. Mm. I'm not going to lie, I think venture mm. capitalists, most of them is just in people, especially yeah. in the early age startup. It's just looking at the founders, the founding team, how well they are, how risk averse they are, mm. how can they adjust to pivoting and like how much conviction you have in the founders. Most of the startups that I have invested in are in founders because yes. they're so early. Ideas can change any time honestly if they're before a C round one day they can building this platform the other day they can build any building another thing so all you can do is read the founders and how much you trust them so I invested in beacons when I met Mm. Neil and I was like oh my god this guy is gonna do great things like he knows what he wants and he's a go-getter and I was like okay I'm sold and then Lumanu is another one that I invested in when I saw the founder he knows exactly creator economy and he got a lot of creator on board that's another one copy AI invest in founder they had great track record you want to look at their track record honestly i don't think education matter that much to me yeah. especially how could they prove some sort of tracker of like revenue or traffic that can be replicated like yes how is their defensibility yes. how can their startup or themselves their idea be dispensable to disrupt this market yeah. yes yes and don't be fooled by the amount of money that they raised mm. before because oh, yeah. there was a lot of venture capital money floating around mm-hmm. in 2020 2021 and you really want to pick people who can really distribute Mm -hmm. and really understand customer acquisition and the market and whether they have a good fit and all of that and if there's a true need for the product exactly Um, because i do see sometimes there are some startups that pitch me to be part of their brand but then 
they have no track record of actually getting mm-hmm. customers, but they have a lot of funding. And that doesn't mean much, really. It really doesn't. And a lot of creator economy startups, actually, half of them gone away. Yeah. Yeah. And it, they became ghost yeah. <laughs> startups. So you got really got to look really into it. It's the person starting this company because this is a hype mm-hmm. right now, especially with AI being so big right now. There's going to be a bunch of AI company being funded. But then are these people in it because they actually see a pain point that they yes. have been experiencing as well? Yes. Too? And being a serial founder is sometimes a good trade but sometimes not always a good trade because mm-hmm. that could mean they have a lot of other things they're focusing on or trying exactly. to build and this is like a side project that they outsource to a lot of people or hire someone to do so definitely that's probably exactly. another thing to look out for as well yeah you mentioned that you were networking with these like you Mm -hmm. met with these founders how did you go about even getting connected to them yeah because my content is so business focused at first Uh so a lot of them are inbounds like copy ai inbound me on tiktok and i was like oh wow that's pretty cool that's a lot of them are inbounds and once you get on radar with one founders they introduce you to a bunch of other founders Mm. Um, and that's how i got into that circle of network and investor as well but if you don't have that like if your content is more lifestyle LinkedIn is your best friend mm. Twitter mm. oh my god Twitter is also your best friend too because PR investor entrepreneurs are all on Twitter yes so you started posting on mm. Twitter um, some tweets or is it more like you outreach on Twitter and engage on Twitter yeah so I started to post on Twitter about TikTok because mm. in 2020 TikTok's really big no one really understand how to use it so I started talking about TikTok how companies should be using it and then a lot of companies started to reach out to me and um, see if they can get help with that as well. Mm, I see. So something about Twitter that I've been thinking about is um, it's a great place to establish thought leadership and so is LinkedIn. Mm. But LinkedIn is more B2B, like business Mm. to business. So it's not so much for like attracting a large group of followers, but it could be good for attracting people who are experts in their Mm. particular area. How do you even use Twitter? I have no (laughs) idea how to use Twitter. I'm not on Twitter. Twitter is my least favorite platform. Actually, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is Um, my least favorite. It's just so dry. Um, um, but like Twitter is not bad. I still don't fully understand Twitter yet. So I post here and there. This is bad. But here I post here and there when I need something. And I, I'm pretty privileged. Like I have a lot of like friends on Twitter that I'm known from like entrepreneurship circle. So they boost my tweets up mm. in general. But like how Twitter works, basically you try to comment on thought leader stuff. Yes. And comment thought for thing, I ah, guess. I see, and I try see. to get on their radars. And then on your tweet, you can provide value, share your experience and try to tag company that's what I've found okay, helpful yeah. that's if you're breaking down like a company story like, tag them on multiple thread and things like that relevant people get on their radar have them boost your tweet retweet that's how you get in front of more people but I don't really post on Twitter too much unless I need something <laughs> I'm not gonna lie so what's your most frequented platform definitely Instagram oh Instagram, okay yeah. I see I see I think the next step from being just a creator mm-hmm. and working with brands is to then establish yourself as some sort of leadership role Mm -hmm. so that you can have more opportunities whether it's like creating a product of your own and scaling that to build wealth or to invest in other companies or to Mm -hmm. be a founder in other companies and that's why I've been kind of thinking about Twitter I just don't know how to go about it and like how to tweet because it just seems like a very like finance bro tech bro Mm -hmm. platform and it seems like very few females are on there is that wrong? I would say yeah I think it's very heavily on tech and like politics, venture capital scene, but I'm starting to see a lot more creators on it as okay. well. 
there's, especially yeah. UGC creators, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's because UGC creator caught on that companies yeah. are on there. Yes. So they started tweeting there to get company to recognize them, yes. which is so yes. smart. Yes. I love that. But I think you have very good potential on Twitter because a lot of people want to see how to work with creator, how to a creator can work with more brands mm. and how to grow on social and mm. things like that as well. Uh, so then I'm also curious, you said earlier in the beginning that this is location independent, you can work mm-hmm. from anywhere. So you move back to Taiwan. Do you feel like this is going to continue to be the case? Do you feel like you might need to relocate somewhere in order to be able to meet up with more people in the industry? Yes, I'm not gonna lie. If I'm just a creator, I'll yeah. be fine like yeah. living in Taiwan, but because I work in a startup, I'm so- star founder that relate a lot with creators. I need to be where the heart and soul is, which is New York, LA, things like that. Um, so I definitely see myself having to travel quite a bit into yeah. the States or somewhere that creators are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so is that something you're looking into? Where to move to next? I kind of want to move to Sydney. I think I told you uh, this. Yeah, yeah. But um, obviously Sydney doesn't have like tons of creator, yeah. but there is. Or I, founders. Yeah. yeah. I don't really want to move back to state that <laughs> yeah. yet. yet. Yeah. But we'll see. I think their circumstance might make me go back there yes, pretty yeah. much soon. Yeah. yeah. There is something that I've realized in recent years is that mm. proximity is power. And exactly. that, that's something that uh, I think it was Sean on My First Million said. Mm. He said in one of his, it was like, proximity is power. You have mm. to be close to the people who are doing things that you want to do. Mm. And that's how you learn by example. And that's also how you become like on a closer sort of friend basis with with a lot of more people who can help shape your future. Exactly. I think that um, remote working is great. It provides a lot of values, but nothing beats meeting in person. The the connection you can form in that. And I really strongly see that when I start meeting up with creators. Intimacy that you can talk to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel the same because I could talk to anyone via Zoom for this podcast. But sitting down here and chatting with you and hearing your story in Mm -hmm. person, it's even more inspiring to me too, Mm -hmm. to hear it from you directly. So that's... That's a really important thing that I think most people will start to realize when they're coming out of this whole COVID, COVID situation. Because yeah. now even it like is. China, like all of Asia is open. Yeah. So it's really going to be Thank a God. new world. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. I'm so happy that Taiwan is open. Like yeah. no more quarantining because yeah. I, I quarantined five times already. Yeah. So I'm done. So we were talking about being around people yeah. that can inspire you. How do you go about finding mentors? You mentioned you have a few mentors. I would say being unapologetically consistent with Mm. them and follow up with them in every aspect if you could like that's if you read an article or anything that kind of spark you think of them like send to them like talk to them about it i like to send gift cards Mm. here and there especially with holidays and things like that get them on your phone get Mm. them on your text message that's what i always try to do if i could get them on my text that means i'm one step closer and your mentors are they just more for the being a founder part like sort of startup world or is but also the creator world as well. Creator world less, I would say mostly in venture capital and founders world. And then a few of them are just people that I look up to that can just guide me in life. Mm, um, I see. Yeah, I think it's really helpful if you can find a mentor mm-hmm. who is further along from you. And even mm-hmm. if you can't find a mentor to be on text basis, mm-hmm. just to follow along to see what successful entrepreneurs are mm-hmm. doing and creators are doing and founders are doing is extremely helpful 
helpful for you in building your wealth and just furthering yourself as a creator and person yeah overall exactly yeah a lot of podcasts to listen to too yeah and i like to find founders that are like two step ahead of me mm-hmm. um maybe like they have done what i'm doing like a year ago that's like the perfect person i want to find because they still empathize yeah. with you and yeah. they want to help you with things right as well. right yeah. and you're so young too i think yeah. it's so easy to like mm-hmm. outreach and then get, get their interest and get mm-hmm. them to sort of speak to you but it's also important to put your best foot forward right mm-hmm. is there yeah. any way that you can think of that maybe others can provide value to them is it Mm -hmm. by like sharing expertise in certain areas of social media maybe they're not so familiar with yeah so i found that there are two type of mentor one type that you can kind of feed back and forth in and then i will try to like offer my help as like how can they strengthen their social media strategies and then there's type of mentor that just really want to give and i will give back as a way of how I appreciate that help mm. and how I update them consistently to showcase how much I appreciate that. Yeah, there's just a different type of dynamic that depending on your mentorships. Got it. That's something I need to lean into. Yeah. Looking for a mentor for yeah. my next stage in life. That's very helpful. Yeah, because I think it's hard. I think I'm Asian and in Asian culture, you always want to give something. And if you're only taking something, you're like, oh no, like yes, I want to provide yes. value. Yes. That's something that I always run into. But then sometimes you could just simply provide them your respect and then they want that yes yes oftentimes they just really appreciate Mm -hmm. someone who wants to learn is Mm -hmm. keen to learn and then will also take action and execute on what they learned from you so that's definitely something to think about as well and just lastly a little bit to touch upon before we finish everything i'm very curious what your experience is like as an asian creator and founder in Mm -hmm. this space i was in singapore Mm -hmm. and i spoke to a creator there who has a very large following Mm -hmm. and he basically said like i chose to stay in singapore because this is a small a place but I can be at the top yeah. and he had the opportunity to move to the US as mm. his career was coming up but he decided to stay the reasoning was that in the US you struggle a lot more mm. to be seen in a bigger pool and even though the pool is bigger it's more of a struggle and I find that to be the case I do mm. find that being Asian is a good differentiating factor mm. and it's really good for attracting like people who are like me, like yep. you. But it is hard. I feel like it's very hard because we're just the 5% of the population. Is it 5%? Mm. Not sure. <laughs> it's like under 10%. Have you felt like that's something that is difficult to you or it's an advantage? I found that I definitely seen that creators, it's a little bit difficult for yeah. you to be widely, widely seen. Right. Right. Uh, I think very few creators had made it that very widely seen, even yes. on TikTok. Yes. Um, and even so, if they're widely seen, it's widely seen by people of color. Yes. Yes, yeah. that's right. I'm thinking immediately the name that pops into my head is Alex Earl. <laughs> yes, I like Alex Earl. I just see that there are a lot of creators that I think it's really cool. Pepperoni Muffin, it's on TikTok. She, her name is Kristen. She has like 8.6 million mm. following and her sister as well. And she live in Hawaii. She mm. is Asian. She's the funniest oh, person yes. I've ever seen. But she hasn't been verified yet on TikTok, mm. which is something that I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. And a lot of opportunities, she, she's a lot more humble and things like that. Didn't get too much. She still worked with a lot of big brands, but a lot of opportunity seems like isn't quite there for her, which yes. she could definitely grab. 
So I definitely see that, but I think that we're still privileged enough that we have a very close knit of community. Like Asian always support Asian, yeah. And because of that, my following is mostly Asian as yeah, well. Yeah. yeah. So I see that as privilege as well in a way, advantage because a lot of brands want to work with people of color as well, yes. and you can position your, yourself as that too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That too. So you can mm-hmm. definitely use it to your advantage. Mm-hmm. And so if there's like big significant cultural events, you want to reach out to brands before that and yeah. sort of establish yourself in that light and be able to work on campaigns for Chinese New Year, exactly. you know, um, Mid-Autumn Festival, that yeah. kind of stuff. But one thing I definitely see like working on the brand side is that people of color definitely get paid less mm. because they're afraid of asking for more. Mm. That's wow. fact. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Damn. So basically what you're saying is like people of color just pitch less money and that's why they get paid less? Yeah, I think that they just don't see the value of themselves mm. yet. They were like, oh, let me try this out. Where I will receive some people of that like pitch me $7,000 then the same type of creator with the same exact following yeah. will pitch me $2,000 I'm like oh, oh wow. my god wow, like wow, wow. no just shoot the star if they want to work with you they will lower your rate yeah. yes yes that's true that's definitely yeah. true so for this whole pay gap thing mm-hmm. do you think it's really on the creator themselves on educating the creators is there more that the brands can do to to help reduce this gap i think a a brand agency that is doing it well influence agency is Mm four.co and they were called out for not doing it well like the pay gap and Mm -hmm. then they publicly made a post and then started really being much more inclusive and Mm -hmm. doing a lot more education um with like pay transparency Mm -hmm. i think that i could understand why brands doesn't show that because imagine running a brand right you always want to get the best roi for your bucks and if you can get less money why not like step into their shoes a little bit but then i coming back to influencer side you really need to educate yourself as a creator have a community that you can trust and try to dissect how much you actually worth and know your worth and stand firm of that too yes definitely one more thing that i think asians Mm -hmm. are particularly not so good at is presenting yourself in Mm -hmm. a super confident way and just fighting for yourself Mm -hmm. and shouting on the top of your lungs all of your achievements Mm -hmm. We've exactly. been so indoctrinated to think that we should never talk anything about ourselves, our achievements. And in a way, it's a really beautiful quality. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate it. I love when I see humility. But in an online world, when you don't get to talk face to face and they don't get to really hear your story or get to know you, you have to put yourself out there. You have to be like, I'm a X figure <laughs> a creator and online educator. And then these are all the things that I have done. It's kind of necessary. Just list out your... Yeah. <laughs> just list out your thing. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I run into that issue myself yeah. so much, yeah. especially being younger as well. Not so much now as a creator. I think more, I'm more comfortable doing that. But as a founder, I still struggle with that imposter mm-hmm. syndrome a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. I see. Yeah. And especially because as a founder and an investor, it's usually male dominated mm-hmm. and they're often older. Oh, yeah. But it seems like you are using your age and your identity to your advantage. Yeah. I, fantastic. I definitely am. But there, there's ways that you can present yourself. Like when you're talking, go down mm. when you're talking and talk slow. Mm. Yeah. These are fascinating tips. Yeah. So especially when I'm talking to a founders or investor, I purposely talk super slow okay i like that so i'll take that tip if i ever need (laughs) to speak to a founder because i i'm pretty high pitched but you know one thing i think is changing in the world is that because so much of what we do is online and is visual Mm -hmm. 
I feel like I want to push for a wave of girly looking founders and like, yes. like silly sounding founders. Like we don't all have to talk low. No. I mean, that's a great tip. Yeah. Though. But just hopefully in the future, mm-hmm. as this world diversifies even more, I want to see a girl in all pink and not a suit. Mm-hmm. How about just like a skirt? Or exactly. like a dress, yeah. you know, like a ruffled dress. Like you can be just as smart and capable, but it's yep. the perception that really gets you down. And so I think in this age where social media and visuals are so important, perhaps we will see a world in the future where you can still maintain your identity however you want to dress and still be taken seriously. Yeah, I 100% agree because I when I post on social media now because I have investors following my Instagram, I recognize myself pulling back on what I wear mm-hmm. or how I present myself. Like yes. I want to post a bikini photo. Yes. I can do that yes. <laughs> because yes. guess what? I have investor on there. But I try to push my boundary a little bit more. And if they want to invest in me, they should know that this is how I'm going to get the app out, <laughs> literally. Yes, absolutely. So yeah. I hope you can also over time maybe stand your ground on that. That would be so great to see yeah. one day. I just want to take a second to say like I'm so impressed with everything that you have mm. done so far. Being so young but being a founder and entrepreneur and creator and everything and being able to also like move back to Taiwan and like understanding that life is long and all that. I'm just very impressed and thank like you. it's very inspiring. So thank you for sharing your entire story and all your insights and everything with us today. Of course. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Lastly, where can people find you online? Yeah, everywhere on Instagram, on TikTok. It's all by Sandy Lin. Mm, nice. So check that out. And then I believe your YouTube is coming soon. Yes. I still need to change my handle to buy Sandy Lin. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that will be coming soon and we'll definitely link it down below. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who could benefit from it. And I'll see you in the next one.